Suns are on the board now. Game three at home, Friday night in Phoenix. Phoenix Suns come out and behind a legendary, legendary performance by one Devin Armani Booker, 47 points, 20 of 25 from the field, only two free throws, which were his last two points of the game. 47 from him, 39 from Kevin Durant, and the Suns hold on. They survive, even despite the fact that they were up 15 at halftime. They win by seven points, 121 to 114, and now are officially on the board in this series. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. I mean, oh, just breathe. Just breathe. There's plenty we got to talk about on this podcast. A lot of positive things that happened. Some frustrating things that happened. And we're going to explore all of those. And I will say this. Matthew was at the game, so my, my partner, Matthew Lissy, will not be present but I am joined by, from the He's on Fire podcast, Coach Evan B. Coach, it's good to have you back on the pod. It's great to be here, man. What a what a weird-ass game Ooh. and a weird-ass playoffs, to say the least. Yes, I mean, you think about the fact that this team looked great in the first half, right? 15-point lead halftime. I do my my Twitter space solo by, my, by myself. You know, shout out to... Uh, Caleb and uh, Sir Hamo of the Aussie Suns Fan Podcast, who decided to come on and talk with me a little bit during that that Twitter space. You know, one thing that Hamo said is like, "Hey, the Booker might have to go to, for fifty in this game," but and we were both like, "Eh, nah, he won't. They're gonna have this one in hand." And then the third quarter happened. So, I mean, pl- plenty to talk about. Plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. So, first and foremost, if you're joining us live, uh, hit that thumbs up button. Thank you. If you're on Facebook or Twitter or the YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. If you're watching later time, go ahead, hit that, hit that thumbs up. If you're listening to the podcast, stop by the Apple pod, give us a five-star review. We truly, truly appreciate it. And we truly appreciate Freddie in the super chat 499 already says nugget fan here. Great game. I just want to let you know that you and your co-hosts are both comedians. So fucking hilarious. See you on Sunday. Uh, he's not talking about you, Evan. So you better you, you got some big shoes to fill. Matthew's a comedian on this pod. Man, I'm not going to be having a lot of jokes tonight. Let me tell you though. <laughs> oh man, hey, we got to win. Okay, it's a good thing you're here because we got to win. Because yeah, we got a loss. We it might be a different a d- different kind of pod, but we'll focus on the positive, you know, and then we'll talk about the areas of opportunity. And if I'm talking about opportunity, I do want to th- throw this out there. I just want to take a second to make sure everyone can take advantage of an amazing opportunity from DraftKings. If you're a new user, you can receive an incredible offer deposit and place just a $5 wager on any sport. And you'll get instantly $150 added to your account in bonus bets. Win or lose, you still receive the bonus, and all you have to do, do is use the code SUNSJAM at signup. Now, I know some of you might be hesitant to try your hand at sports betting. I bet on DeAndre Ayton for 16 points tonight. I feel like a fucking idiot. That was money. That I might as well just, like, burn that shit. But, um, but let me tell you, the per- this is the perfect opportunity for you to give it a shot. Plus, using our code SUNSJAM not only gets you the bonus, but also supports the podcast. So it deals like this, if, or I'm sorry, if you have opportunities like this to help cover our costs, to bring you our, our podcast, please help us out. So if you if you haven't signed up on DraftKings yet, please consider doing so using the code SUNSJAM to place that first bet. Remember, this offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and over and physically present in Arizona. And please, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. So what are you waiting for? Head to DraftKings.com. Take advantage of this incredible opportunity today. And chug with the fellas. 
right? First chugging with the fellas of the Western Conference semis, man. Let's go. So, Evan, while I'm chugging this beer, you know, just real quick, if, if you're new to the Suns and you're new to the playoffs, what we do is every time we win, we chug a beer. Okay, so while I'm chugging this delicious beverage, Coach, let everyone know where they can find and follow you outside of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Cheers, fuckers. At Coach Evan B at He's on Fire Pod. Uh, we're going to be going live Tuesdays coming up here. And look at John. Go like I'm already a done. champ. Already oh, done. Like, geez, I got four words out. And there <laughs> you are already done like a champ. I mean, that brought you back to when you were 21, 22. Yeah, uh, more like 17. You remember when like drinking, you did it before it was legal and it was exciting. It's just like smoking weed, right? Like back when you had to like go find a guy and you're like, oh, dude, he gave me way too many seeds in this. Now it's like you can go around the around the corner block. It's like, I don't smoke anymore. It's legal. Like, why would I do that? I want to do I want to break the law. So heroin, folks, let me tell you something. I'm <laughs> he's on like, fire. No. He's, <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Jamsters, I know you're going to crack open a cold one with me, aren't you, coach? absolutely let's get the best beer ever right there you know why it's the best why somebody left somebody left it in my fridge and it was free so there free you go beer. free beer you know what same thing uh my brother left this in my in my my, my uh, fridge so pop them if you got them sons fans <laughs> oh yeah and let's talk about a son's victory baby Twenty-one to one fourteen on the on the board. Big win for the Suns. Some areas of opportunity, but you know, I have a question, and Matthew's not here, but still, I gotta ask it. Matthew, I got to ask. Evan, I gotta ask: Is Devin Booker the best Phoenix Sun in postseason history? And with that question, before you answer it, you know he's got to get his drop. Big Dick Booker. All right. Is he the best son in postseason history? Yes, and it's not close. Um, I've got some of his stats here that I want to read off, starting back with his first playoff series in 2021. Uh, first two games against the Lakers, the win and the loss, 34-31. And, of course, of course, the closeout, he had 47. Second round uh, against the Nuggets and the in a closeout game, he had 34, his highest of, of that series. Mm-hmm. Clippers, Western Conference Finals, the man had 40 to start it off. Finals, he had 42 and 40, playing off of a bad hammy. Last year, he had 23 and 30 before going down against uh, uh, New Orleans. No, he had 25 and 31, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And then against Dallas, he had 23 and 30 before, obviously, we lost. And then you look at last series, how good he was with a 45 and a 47-point game. Uh, He's just a transcendent player for the Phoenix Suns. And he will be, if he's not already... He will be the best Phoenix Sun of all time. Regular season, postseason, preseason, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, with he scored 47 points tonight, right? And that's what, okay, so five plus three, so that's eight games. He's averaging in this postseason alone 
36.9 points Jesus. per game. 36.9 points per game for Devin Armani Booker. So you're, 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 you, you would call yourself a basketball aficionado, a Suns fan, right? Absolutely. You know what time it is. Trivia time. So where does Devin Booker's 36.9 points per game land him in, in postseason history for the Phoenix Suns in one season? And then like a single playoff in, season? In a, yes, in a single run. You know, I'm kind of blanking on what Chuck did in that finals run, but I'm just going to say number one. Number one is correct, and it's not even close. Who do you think is number two? It's It's got to be Chuck or it's got to be Nash. Number two was the 2004-2005 run from Amari Stoudemire. Okay. He scored 29.9 points per game. As mentioned before, Devin Booker is averaging 36.9. Number three on the list is Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> this postseason number four on the list as you mentioned charles barkley his 27.6 in 1993-94 not 92-93 and devin booker's run in 2021 uh was is 27.3 the answer is yes it's a resounding yes the devin booker is the best phoenix sun in postseason history statistically he's most likely going to end his career as the best phoenix sun of all time and performances like tonight are what makes him so special and what makes uh, us as Suns fans, we have to stop and we have to appreciate what we're viewing because Big Dick Booker was slinging that thing all over the court to begin the game, right? This is a, a game that you have to come out and you have to have a, a certain level of intensity and you know that this the crowd's going to be behind you and you know that the, the strategy in this game for the Denver Nuggets is simple sustain the emotion the nuggets know that the suns are going to come out yeah. behind the emotion of their home crowd and they just have to sustain it and they did that i mean they came back from down 15 at halftime but devin booker comes out the first quarter uh 18 points eight of 10 from the field phoenix had 29 he had 18 of them second quarter he comes out and he only gets uh you know a, a cool nine points on four or five shooting third quarter Starts to slow down a little bit. Only eight points on three of five shooting. And then, of course, the fourth quarter, Devin Booker, five of five from the field, 12 points. Did all of this with two fouls. Or, or I'm sorry, two fouls, five fouls. That five for five, five fouls in that fourth quarter. What we saw from Devin Booker is just unbelievable. He, his his scoring totals now as a son in what? Only his third postseason? He's now yep. eighth all-time in total points in Phoenix Suns history, passing Paul Westfall and Alvin Adams. Woo! You know, I mean, this guy, and this is his third postseason. Devin Booker appreciated Suns fans. Appreciate it. I, I like to say, I've right. used this analogy before. I remember back in 2000, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, Four consecutive years, Randy Johnson won Cy Youngs for the Arizona Dimebacks. And every time he was on the mound, I did my best to get down to the stadium for a $5 seat just to watch it because I knew I was witnessing greatness. We are witnessing greatness in what Devin Booker does. We needed every one of those 47 points to beat a good, tough, deep team in the Denver Nuggets. And the only question I have for you, Coach, like how pissed are you that every time they show a preview of this game, it's like Jokic's face and Durant's face. Like, give Booker some respect, ESPN, you twats. 
Yeah, I really don't give a damn about what they show on the other team. I'm used to us not getting love. You know, you always get the big faces of the other team, and we're the ones that kind of on the bottom of the graphic, right? That's fine, but putting KD over Book right now, I mean, that's just another national narrative BS that you clearly ain't watching the game. Yeah, you haven't been watching the entire postseason. Don't get me wrong, again, Kevin Durant, what he's doing, and we'll get to him shortly, is absolutely fantastic, but you have to recognize like who this who who is the face of this franchise. It's Devin Armani Booker. Everything that he does uh, in the postseason, especially this postseason run, is spectacular. He becomes the first player since Michael Jeffrey Jordan in 1992 to average 35 or more points per game over the first eight games of a postseason. Michael Jordan. I don't know if you know this. What? Sitting right over here, I got you know, my Jordan and Barkley picture, right? Michael Jordan is my favorite player of all time. Look at you. Do you have the same one? That'd be adorable if we both hold, we hold this up. I don't have the same one, but I got good. my I got my Jordan one somewhere here I was going to bring out, but I don't have the same one. But Jordan, my favorite player of all time. Mine to too. Dev, to see Devin Booker, what he does. It's Jordan-esque, baby. It's Jordan. What was what did you say Devin Booker was averaging this uh postseason? Oh, 11 11 on my side. Make a wish, by the way. Ooh, he must be <laughs> in Utah. It's 10 11 out here. Uh over he's averaging 36.9. 36.9. I, I want to read something off to you. Uh 43.7 was Michael Jordan's best playoffs, but it was in a three-game series loss to the Celtics. All the right. Celtics. That's where he scored what 61 in the, Exa- in the overtime. Exactly. His next two. For 16 games, 36.7 and 89.90, okay? And his next yep. one was 87.88 in 10 games where they lost to the Pistons, 36.3. Lost to the those Pistons are his top those. three performances, and none of those performances, by the way, did end up in a championship. So take that for what you will. Ugh. Well, but it goes to show you, and it's something that we need to kind of discuss as, as much as we admire Evan Booker for what he's done. 47 points, 20 of 25 from the field, ladies and gentlemen. Just like that kind of efficiency doesn't fucking happen. Two free throw attempts, 25, I mean, 25 shot attempts to get 47 points. It's unreal. But the question becomes, is that what the Suns are going to continually need to win games? You know, shout out to Joseph Casillas in the chat. He says, book played 42 minutes. Might be the lowest amount during this playoff run. You know, I mean, if, if we think about it, like, are we going to continue to need this plus Kevin Durant's 39 in order to win games? Or is that just what they need to do to win this series? What's your take on that? I'm not particularly high on this version of the Phoenix Suns. I am particularly higher on Devin Booker than I've ever been before. Um, and with that being said, just to answer your question without going into specifics, we don't have a choice. We don't have it. This is you have to play Steve Nash 46 minutes in the playoffs to be able to pull it off and get a win. This is exactly what that is. Almost to a T. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's not a recipe necessarily for success, but, yeah. but, but before you go on, but talent in the NBA trumps everything. Facts. Period. Facts. But again, it's not the preferable way. You look at the Denver Nuggets tonight, okay? 21 points from Michael Porter Jr., 30 from Jokic, 30 from Murray, 
11 from Brown coming off the bench. You have multiple players who are averaging double figures in the series. The Phoenix Suns, 47 from Booker, 39 from Kevin Durant. No other member of the team scored in double digits. Yep. That's what's scary. That's what's not sustainable. Now, granted, I love this. We won. If we don't win this game, you and I are sitting here having a much com- different conversation, talking yes. about how great Devin Booker is. But guess what? The season's over. With this win, the season's not over. But just over that horizon, I can see something that isn't necessarily uh, – it leaves me feeling good. All right? It's like you're, it's, it, it's like you're driving down a road, but you know that you're – and, and you, know, you got the Waze app. And you're cruising, and that's what the regular season is. And there's a speed bump, oh, pothole. Oh shit! You know, like uh, uh, Devin Booker's out. You know, with with the with the groin issue, and you know somebody gets in front of you and they start, you know, t- uh, break tapping and such. And you're like, oh, oh, oh there's uh, Kevin Durant's ankle. That's kind of annoying. And then all of a sudden, you go, you know what? The way Zap hits you, it's like, oh, in five miles ahead, there's an accident, and you're about to be slowed the fuck down. <laughs> you're gonna have to divert off the highway, like. I see I, the way Zap is pinging right now. We're going to have to divert off the highway here pretty quick because, again, this isn't sustainable. Denver is a damn good team, and as much as I want to sit here and be overly excited about this win, and don't get me wrong, I am. We live to fight another day. We have an opportunity on Sunday to come back and even this series up, which is huge. Yeah. But the Phoenix Suns need to find something more than relying on 37 from Devin Booker and 39 from Kevin Durant. I mean, that's right there. What, 78 points? 88 points? 88 points between the two. And you I know love what? It, but it's not sustainable, homies. At, at the same time, we shot 50% tonight uh, overall from the field. Mm-hmm. We shoot that last game, and we don't shoot 40%. We're up 2-1. 100%. It's a, that's, it, that's what's insane about and it, it. And it's completely different, right? Because championship championship teams need to be chameleons. Right. Okay, yeah. They, they don't just win one way. They can win four or five different ways. That's what made that Suns team last season so deadly is they could beat you five different ways. They could beat you with defense. They could beat you with three point shooting. They could beat you in the clutch. They could blow you out. There, there's only been one real recipe for success this postseason for the Phoenix Suns. And that is Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. just <laughs> you, And you just have to try to survive it. And the Nuggets came in here knowing that, you know what? They just got to get one out of two. They get one out of two. They go home with a 3-1 lead and mission accomplished. So, yeah, they fought in this one. And, yeah, the Suns controlled this game for the most part. But, again, there's there's a, there's a car wreck up uh, coming. And I, I want to be optimistic, but I have to be a realist. That's why, you, that's why you folks come to the pod and you hang out and you listen. Because I keep it real. Maybe a little too real, but I keep it real. I'm, I'm, I'm a coach at heart. Even when we're winning 20 in a row, I'm still looking at what needs to be improved. So everybody's always like, man, you're always negative. I'm like, no, that's just, that's literally my mindset is like, what else can you do to improve? That's good. You did that one thing. That's great. Let's move to the next thing. Then let's move to the next thing. Right. So after every win, after every, every loss, I'm always looking at what you can improve on. And it's still crazy that we could legitimately still be up to one things that need to improve. Just, We'll get there. Dude, we'll get there. Oh, yeah, thank, we'll, you, thank, we'll you. thank you. We'll get there. We'll get there. We got more talk to talk me about. Off the ledge. We got we got more to oh, there's there's a ledge coming. And we'll talk about plenty more of that. I, I again I want to focus on some things that went right in this game. And and again, I'm a Suns fan. So again, I'm always looking at op, for opportunity. And anybody who blindly is like, well, you just support your team no matter what, like duh. 
of course you support your team, but that doesn't mean that you can't be critical or analytical of your team. If you're not like you, you're the person who doesn't use your blinker. You're the person who uh, gets in front of somebody in line and has like two items and I, and you're like, you know, you, 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 you hold up line or I have two items and you see me behind you and you hold up the line with like 57 fucking items. And I got like toothpaste and you're, and you're like, eh, and, and God bless people making <laughs> self checkout. So I can just go around you fucking people of imbeciles, the imbecile. Good word. Good word. Let's, uh, let's, let, let's move on to the guy who scored the second most points in this game. Who the heck are you? Yeah, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Y'all know who I am. Did anybody see a sniper? Did anybody see anything? I'm one of the best players to ever play the game. 43 minutes tonight for Kevin Durant. He was 12 of 31 from the field, 1 of 5 from beyond the arc, but 14 of 16 from the free throw line. If Devin Booker didn't shoot his two free throws, every free throw taken in this game by the Suns would have been by Kevin Durant. Ended with 39 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 blocks. And zero turnovers, zero, huge, huge. Thank you for pointing that out because that's been his issue, not only in this series, but in this entire playoffs, Uh, you know, another poor shooting start, one of seven in quarter one. And you know what? It's, it's not hating on Kevin Durant to say, Hey man, you shot like shit in that first quarter. He shot like shit. The the majority of this game, again, 31 attempts for 39 points. What saved him was he decided in this game you know what? I'm going to attack the basket. And in quarter two, that's exactly what he did. And we know that Denver isn't the best defensive team in this league, right? Like their de- their best defense is their yep. offense and how they can manipulate what they do and score points to take you out of your game plan. So you're starting to get in desperation mode, but you need to attack them. And that's exactly what the Suns did in this game is they attacked them. Now, granted, they attacked, they attacked, they attacked. They got the calls in the second quarter and then they didn't shoot a free throw again until like 644 left in the fourth so the the refs clearly went in at halftime and swallowed their whistles because they were reading the subreddit for the denver nuggets and how everyone was bitching about the calls so they clearly are just like oh, okay i guess we can't call anything now but when you look at kevin durant and when you see him have those poor shooting starts what's going through your mind and would you like him in those moments to turn into more less of an isolation player and more of a distributor Whatever happened to KD and DeAndre Ayton pick and rolls? Whatever happened to any pick and rolls with this team? Or, or any any type of offense, elbow snap, freaking something. But but to answer your question blatantly, like, look, man, when you're shooting one for seven and you got book over there that's seven for eight, the hell are you doing, man? You need to be the one setting everything up instead of going out there shooting every single fadeaway that you can and botching bunny layups man like holy hell some of the stuff that he was missing and has been missing has been mind-boggling what was even worse in the last couple games was his turnovers right dribbling into the two or three people dribbling off his off his legs and everything that just it doesn't look like kevin durant this version tonight was better he didn't shoot 10 of 27. He just shot 12 of 31. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right? And, and, but but he got to the line as opposed to two free throws last game. Uh, but he did other things this game. Like last game. I mean, he's been our best rebounder in this postseason so far. Nine rebounds, eight assists. So it's like... It's not like when Devin Booker was doing point book stuff back in, you know, two, three years ago 
and he's bitching about calls and then he's just not getting back on defense. Like, no, at least KD is out there affecting the game in other ways. And that's why he's called uh, Bill Simmons calls him a Pantheon player, which is the top 15 player of all time. And I love that term to to have that type of a, a player on that level. So he's able to do things that don't involve scoring and obviously he sucks so much defense to himself he's just a vacuum black cloud over there that the other team can do other things on the other side but man when he's shooting like that you're just like what the hell this is not what we trade for this is still not the version mikhail bridges could have done that right (laughs) didn't they do that i mean he had his best jay crowder impression in the first half shooting two for 11 or i forget what he did at the first half yeah, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Kevin Durant was 5 of 16 in the first half Ugh. for 21 points. Now, granted, the second half, uh, he ended going 7 of 15. So, you know, 18 points in that second half. But every one of those points was needed. And I'll tell you, yep. in, in the second half, because essentially what happens, you go up by 15 at halftime. The Suns start attacking. They start making some adjustments. Right, and we'll talk about some of those other adjustments. Uh, but one of the the primary adjustments that we saw was Kevin Durant attacking, getting to the cylinder, and getting to the free throw line. That's an adjustment that the Suns hadn't had in game number two. When you talk about opportunity to win g- game number two, that was it. Was just simply get to the fucking line. Yep. And and they were settling for the jumpers, and they do that. That's what the Suns do. Is they they sit there and they they settle for the jumpers. And it's okay that they do because that's who they are and they're very, very efficient at it. But you still have to put pressure on the opposition and try to get to the line and try to get some of their guys in foul trouble. So when the third and fourth quarter happened, their guys got four fouls and they got to go sit for five, six minutes. You know, like Devin Booker. Go figure. That that's the that's the beauty of doing those kind of things. That's why that's how you play the game. I mean, shit. Does anyone here ever play 2K? Just fucking download a DA and he drops it. Oh, we'll get there. So <laughs> So that's one adjustment that the Suns made was, hey, Kevin Durant, attack, attack, attack. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, KD didn't, again, have a good shooting night. But what I love about Kevin Durant is the fact that even when he has a shitty shooting night, he finds a way to score points. And he ends with 39. Like, if you don't have Devin Booker going for 37 or 47, you're really focused on KD and what he did tonight. He 39, like, if I told you, if you watch that game, and I didn't tell you his point total. I doubt you would have guessed 39. I was saying, yeah, 25. You know, yeah, exactly. 20, you know, exactly. That's what it felt like. But what he did, especially in the, the back end of the game, in that fourth quarter, when we needed it, when we needed points, Kevin Durant in the fourth quarter, four or five from the field, 11 points. That's what matters. I He's, bullied him to greatness on Twitter. Oh, you bullied everyone. What What was one of the things that you said? Kevin Durant sucks ass. Kevin, no, 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 no. Kevin Durant is ass. Is ass. <laughs> he doesn't suck it. No, 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 no. He's classier than that. <laughs> he doesn't go around pucking up to asses and then sucking them. No, he simply is ass. And, and he after- came out and he and he crushed it in the, in the second half. So right on cue. Fire out a bad hot take and then you get proven wrong within I 15, love it. 20 minutes. I love Perfect. it. That's, that's why we go on Twitter. Is Absolutely, to say, is, is to say things and then have they have them prove us wrong. And then some. my favorite thing is when people go, well, that aged poorly. I'm like, good. I'm glad it did. I'm glad it aged poorly. Damn I'm, straight. You know, I was pissed. This is a closeout game, man. This you know what I'm saying? You go down three nothing. That's a death sentence. And we're coming out and we're playing like that. And you're shooting two for whatever. Like, you're not going to get a free pass. But he came out and he's done this this year. He's done this since he's gotten with us. He's been he's had a bad first half. He'll go and he'll change his shoes and he comes out the second half and all of a sudden it's something. Did he change his right? shoes in this one? 
I he mentioned that he did a couple games ago where he went in halftime and he changed his shoes because he was shooting so well, poorly I've, and ended I've up definitely with like seen him twenty four in the second. But yeah, I you you deserve it when you're shooting like that in a closeout game. Period. I, I do want to give a shout out to Tim Tompkins in the chat. He says, guys, they won the game. Tim Tompkins, yeah. one of the OGs of the Solar Panel podcast. It used to be him, Dave King, and Greg Esposito. So uh, I know he's out there in Florida time, but he's tuning in, and it always makes me happy when I know that Tim's watching. One of these days, Tim, we got to get you on one of these things, man. Like You got to come out of retirement <laughs> for, for a post-game podcast. So, But again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo what I said. 12 minutes played in that fourth quarter by Katie. He was 4 of 5, 3 of 4 from, from the, the free throw line, couple assists. And again, as you mentioned, the most important thing from him tonight is a simple fact that he had zero turnovers. Mm. One thing that I noticed in this game, and I'm, and I'm sure everyone else did in, in Twitter land, was the first guy to come off the bench for Monty Williams. What's the matter, dog? You with Harris? This guy's a gangster? His real name is Terrence. Hey. Terrence. He's the home of both parents. Hey. Terrence. Terrence. Terrence have a real good marriage. Terrence Ross, first guy off the bench. We've been pining for this for not just this series, but for the entire postseason. I think coming into this, he's played nine minutes in the entire postseason. Jesus. Right? Garbage time. Him and TJ Warren, who also got some playing time. We'll talk about TJ here in a second, but I will say this. You know, big impact by Terrence Ross. Well, he played 14 minutes. He was two of seven from the field. He had five points and you and one of six from beyond the arc. But you know what? I like that he was shooting the ball. I like that he has the confidence. When he came in and he hit that mid-range, I'm telling you, I felt vindicated. When he hit that three, I felt orgasmic, mm. man. I was like, Hell oh, yeah. there it is. Like, thank you, Terrence Ross. These are the minutes that we've been pining for. Monty Williams said it in a presser a couple days ago that Terrence Ross, TJ Warren, we would see more of them. Why is it taking Monty Williams so long? I don't care. He's doing it now. This is something that needs to continue in this series. Am I right? Uh, no, absolutely. And it's not even close. I mean, what was the point of getting Terrence Ross in the first place? Right? Yeah. It, it, it's an absolute no-brainer. And you saw the way that Jamal Murray was cooking Shamit in the other games. There's, you can't tell me that Terrence Ross can't do that. But you know what? Terrence Ross came out and he was playing hard on defense. He challenged every single shot. Not just getting there and putting a hand up. He challenged shots. He was getting in there. He had a block. He had a he had a couple tip rebounds where he tapped back to his uh to his teammates. I think one of them was Jock for an offensive possession. Yes. He did a lot of the little things to keep it going. And he only hit two shots. That's fine, but he was a plus eight, right? And when you have that kind of player on the floor, you have to respect his uh his hotness, if you yes, will. The human torch. Hot exactly like, that's wow. why we brought him on every team needs a good shooter off of the bench and it's just a waste to have him sitting over there just rotting away it's not only that you have a good shooter but you have a confident shooter mm. and the other confident shooter who came in this one tj warren tj war machine aka tj buckets he ends the game with a total of seven points, three of seven from the field, 26 minutes played by TJ Warren in this one, three rebounds, two assists. Uh, he also had a block in this game. But what was great about TJ Warren in that fourth quarter where he scored five of his seven points was the confidence mm -hmm. where he gets that one, you know, they call the timeout, they come out, he's in the corner, they, they throw the ball to him, he misses the shot. The next possession down, Devin Booker's getting double teamed and he's trying something. Oh, there's TJ in that same quarter. Hits him. And I'm like, no, not TJ. No, no I, no, I was like, take it, take it, take it, Buckets. Your nickname's Buckets. 
You got the Human Torch and, and TJ Bucket sitting on the bench for this series. He comes out, nails the three. A possession later, when it's cut, when the, it's breaking down, it's TJ and his awkward push shot from 15 that like bounces around two times and goes in. Those are huge shots that have been missing this entire series for the Suns. Those are the guys who, in game two, who could have potentially gotten us five points. I mean, again, combine. They have 12 points between there it is between, you know, the guys who we like to affect affectionately call the outlet boys. Ross. The outlet boys. They were fantastic in this game. They're what we needed. They gave us some offensive semblance and, and both of them were hustling their asses off on D. Yes. You can't tell me that either one of them was horrible on D in this game. There was a lot of bad defense in this game, but I'm not going to sit there and isolate those two and be like, well, they're unplayable because their lack of defense. I don't give a shit about their lack of defense. At times, the Suns' defense looked like it was already in Cancun in this game. And you know what? If I bring two guys in who have the ability to hit shots, and more importantly, in the fourth quarter, when the shit's on the line, have the confidence to take the shots, you bring those guys in. Kudos to Monty Williams for listening to the podcast and, and reading my shit on brightsideofthesun.com and finally making this decision, man. Monty really had the balls and, and doubled down even and said, you know what? I'm going to play Ish Wainwright and Damian Lee last yeah. game. Like he My really God. had a pair on him. <laughs> and here's TJ Warren, which you didn't even mention this stat. He was only a plus 20 in the highest plus minus of the entire team. In 26 minutes, that's something. That's something. Thir third most tied with with DeAndre Ayton for the third most minutes on the on the team tonight. No, excuse me. That, that'd be fourth campaign had 30. My bad. And we will be talking about campaign momentarily, but it's weird that it's like it, it, it takes Monty Williams to go to being two games down in the second round of the playoffs to put a proven NBA veteran in over a two way player. But, dude, he was playing JaVale McGee all Dallas series last I know, year. I know. I know. He's been playing Landry Shamit. He, he, he played fall. Pyramid Pyramid Poppy, what, in Game 5, Game Pyramid 6 of the Poppy. Finals? I forgot about come, him. Come on, man. He he does this weird shit. Remember Game, game 6 of the Finals? He brought in Javon Carter after Javon oh, yeah. Carter played, like, no minutes the entire the series. Entire, the entire postseason. And this Javon is... I almost, I almost think... Maybe it's like a little paralysis by analysis with Monty Williams. It's like, is he is he overthinking it, or is he just coming up in the middle of the middle of the night and he wakes up? He's like, you know what, Jacques Landell's doing it tonight. He's the one. Wait, shit. Maybe it should be Bismack. Wait, shit. Nope. Darius Baisley. He's gonna get four minutes tonight. I know it. Like, is that what he's go what's going through his mind? Because regular basketball folk, the the ones that have a little bit of brain to them. It's clear as day you need to be playing Terrence Ross and TJ Warren. That's why you traded for him in the Kevin Durant deal. That's why he was in it. There was a lot of rumors we were going to get Cam Thomas. I mean, in hindsight, Ooh. like Cam Thomas was just sitting over there on the bench now. That would have been a lot of fun. Yes. But you still got a guy that can put up buckets. And these are two guys that got, they averaged what? It was like 60 points a game over a three or four game period when Katie went out at the end of the season. Yep. And then Monty said, nah. <laughs> come on like come i got on. ish wainwright over here man like he played i don't know if you know this but he was a tight end at baylor so he needs to clearly play in the game no i think you 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 said it so eloquently and i think it's correct it's paralysis by analysis every fan base looks at their roster and we think we know better than the head coach it's sure. everyone sure. you know we'll, we'll talk about it when we look when we go through the the subreddit stakeout for the denver nuggets 
every team is they feel like they know their team and the only thing that frustrates me i think is the fact that monty has a proven track record of doing this of having faith in guys probably a little too long and one of those guys was landry shamit tonight Landry Shamit ended up playing a total of 25 minutes in this game. He was two of four from the field. He had two rebounds. He had three personal fouls within like the two first two minutes. He had four <laughs> points. Like after he got the first, he got like two fouls in the first like minute and a half. I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing, Landry. You're just going to foul the shit out of these guys so you can sit down. So you're like, oh, well, I was in foul trouble. Like you're because guess what? The, the fans were booing him when he came in. Like they were, it, it, this anti shamit thing has caught on in Phoenix. We it's, get it. Yep. And it's going to be, it's going to be bad for him. I hope he's not on the team next year, just literally for his own mental health. Cause well, that could be some Ben Simmons shit right there. Well, it's, it's a contract that is going to be kind of hard to trade. It, it's a really good contract and it's a good building blocks contract. Like when we trade DeAndre Ayton, Le, uh, Landry Shaman will be a part of that deal just to make some money's work. I guarantee you that. But, like, if you watch him, the Nugs attack him with screens and either they utilize him to – they use Jamal Murray's speed coming off a screen and Jamal has an open look at the rim every time. Or if they try to isolate him, he he just gets lost. He looks bad at times, man. And, again, I feel somewhat responsible for the anti-Landry Shamus sentiment. Obviously, we have a lot of people who are watching the podcast right now. Again, if you are doing so, please hit that thumbs up button down below. It helps with the algorithms and lets everybody know where the best Phoenix Suns post-game podcast on the internet is. Uh, and people who listen to the podcast, we have a bunch of listeners as well. And I know that this is a drum I've been beating the entire postseason is Landry Shamit is not good at basketball. We have better options. If he was our only option, I'd be like, dude, you just got to roll with it. But we have better options. We saw that tonight. But we still got all those minutes from Landry. And that's what's going to happen with Chris Paul being out. When Chris Paul hurt his groin, there was Monty Williams being like, excellent. I can play my little butterfly. My little <laughs> butterfly Landry, who I love so much. I will play him and you cannot doubt me because I have no Chris Paul. In chess, the pawns go first. <laughs> <laughs> So the the good thing about the Shamit deal is next year is his last guaranteed year, yes. uh, the twenty four twenty five season. A team he, option, it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's non guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, the year after that, it's a club option. Gotcha. So it, it's non guaranteed. Is it ten ten three something like that next year? Uh, no, uh, it's ten. Uh, yeah, ten ten million two hundred fifty thousand. It becomes fully guaranteed next year, June 29th, twenty ninth, twenty twenty four. Okay, so that that's when it becomes a guaranteed deal, and then you could—I'm sure you could waive him or whatever. I haven't read the the new CBA or anything. I'm not yeah. that nerdy quite yet, but you no, know, last year is his is his last guaranteed year, which kind of essentially makes it—you know—he this is a one-year deal type of guy, and those guys are very valuable when it comes to trade scenarios. Hundred percent, because it allows you to move off some salary cap and then make some decisions, if you will, moving forward. So right again, not the greatest thing to see, but again, you're, you're a victim of circumstance because Chris Paul got injured and because Chris Paul got injured, we got some Cameron Payne to start. Here comes the pain. Cameron Payne tonight, three of nine from the field, one of five from beyond the arc. Fuck. I needed him to hit two threes to hit a little parlay there, uh, but I parlayed it with 16 beyond eight points. And we'll talk about that momentarily. Seven points from Cameron Payne, six assists, one steal, only one turnover from campaign. 
And I really liked seeing him in this game. You saw it right off the bat. Cameron Payne became Cameron Pace, if you will. Yeah, they're running. They they were getting uh, transition buckets. They were pushing the pressure. Uh, and again, I just wish he did a couple more three balls, but I liked what I saw from Cameron Payne tonight. I saw some confidence in him. Again, he's going to be somebody who plays well at home because he feeds off the crowd. Had he hit one of those second threes, especially some of those in the second half, those would have been huge for campaign because he, he hits one of those and it's just an avalanche. And he hit that one and then he decided to take one from three feet further and he missed it. And then that was kind of it from him offensively. But did you like what you saw from Cameron Payne in this game? It almost almost felt like our offense was a little bit better. I don't understand. This is another dude. I don't understand why he didn't play more. I get he's coming off of the injury, obviously, but man, pace, 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 pace. I mean, isn't that what you want from your backup point guard or something a little bit different than what your regular point guard can do? I mean, do you really want your backup point guard to do the exact same thing and run the exact same offense? Like, not, not me. You got to lean into your strengths. Yes. And here's campaign coming out, running and gunning, seven seconds or less style. And all of a sudden, you see the floor just opening up. Like, go figure. Again, another WTF moment by Monty Williams. Like, this is obvious. This is what the guy's done ever since we signed him into the bubble. Pace, pace, pace. He's a perfect backup point guard. He can catch a lot of dudes. Ah, oh, there Matthew we go. Lissy's hey. here. Hey. hey. Hey, how What's was up? the game, guy? Oh, was really how was it? it? It was good, but you know, I don't really believe in the Suns right now. But they still won. It's good. Hey, well, you good. Know? You're just you're following the the they theme of the right on time. <laughs> yeah, look at that ceiling fan. Um, just really quick, a couple things. I just okay. want to say, uh, Jock, you guys owe me a big, big apology, and uh, thank you, Matthew, for believing in them. I'll just take Matthew out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome back, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so. Ah, 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 stop, stop with All the right. phone moving. That's all thing. I wanted to say. And uh, God, we also, haven't talked about Kobe and yet. Craig, if you haven't even like talked about them, we I'm haven't. Surprised they disappeared. Um, Completely. Just, just a few things there, but uh, I gotta go. And I love the pod. Just want to say thanks for having me on, and thanks, Coach, <laughs> for joining against tonight. Go, go home and love your family, Matthew. Yeah, I will for sure, man. <laughs> Get in there, kids. Get in there. <laughs> All right. Well, don't end the don't end the broadcast like I did that one time. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about Cameron Payne. We got to talk about the rest of the guys. We this is probably going to be a long one because we haven't done the, the subreddit stakeout, hand out the jam store, or even talk about the under eight yet. So, but uh, what you were saying about Cameron Payne again, the pace in which he plays, carry on. It's just it's just obvious what he brings, and he brings just a different dynamic. Um, his layups were on today. Uh, yes, that's that's obviously. That's a huge, huge indicator if he's going to be with it or, or not with it. I like some of his decision making. You can tell he's just it just feels like him, Ross Warren. They're like they're like right there. They can't quite get over that hump or line or whatever it is. But it feels like they're all just right there. And so I really can't wait for Sunday's game to watch those three guys in particular, unless they get benched again. Who knows? You never know. You never know with Monty Williams. As Matthew mentioned, uh, if you take a look at Josh Akogi and Tory Craig, they combined for two points in this game. They combined for one of three from the field. They combined for a total of three rebounds in this game. Tory Craig only played three minutes, coach. Josh Akogi only played 10. Why? 
dude, I don't know. <laughs> what? Why is Shamit playing, and why aren't these dudes playing? I mean, yes, you've said see? it how many times with Josh Okogie, and we saw it in the 10 minutes, how many offensive rebounds he was able to, not himself put together, but overall kind of conjure up with his shiftiness and his, his tenacity and all that. Torrey Craig, arguably one of the better players. I, well, he was, not arguably. He was one yeah. of the better players for us Facts. last last series. And then he goes out and plays three minutes. Now I know he's, I don't, I still can't see if he's got something on his hand taped right there. Yeah. I don't know if it's taped all the way around, but you see like maybe some of that K, that, uh, K tape or something like that. I don't know what's going on. Maybe that's affecting him, but this is just another guy that knows our system. That's been playing in it for a while. You see campaign so many times when he's getting the ball, he wants to flip, flip it around the corner or do something quick, but like, Oh, guy's not where he should be. Shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I just feel like playing with a guy with like like Craig with him would do so many good things because you get another dude that knows the system, knows the ins and outs, knows what they're supposed to do, and you had that iconic, I think it was game two, Aliyup dunk from campaign to Tory Craig. Yes. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm sick of talking about it because nobody knows, and I wish somebody in the Phoenix media had the balls to ask Monty Williams, why are your lineups so stupid right now? They're just all over the place. They there's no continuity. It's it's one of those things where you you just none of it makes sense. Now, granted, like the advantage of this is when we talk about adjustments going into game four, you could say more Akogi, you could say more Craig, you could say some more physicality, but it was clear that the Phoenix Suns were focused on two things tonight speed in Cameron Payne and shooting. And taking it, it to the hole too. Taking it to the hole, shooting, bringing in your your the human torch and TJ buckets, as we've mentioned. They were they came out and they're like, we're just gonna put together a good offensive game. Fuck the defense on this one. Because Tory Craig and Josh Kogi, those are your defending guys, and they're they haven't necessarily had the ability to give you any positive on the offensive end in the series. Josh Kogi, as I mentioned at the la- end of last game, had a clear Lay, uh, a clear shot in the lane with uh, you know a couple minutes to play. Maybe it was in the last minute. Suns were down, and he passed out of it. And I said I learned a lot about Josh Kogan. That's fine. He's not. He's somebody who doesn't have the confidence to take that shot, and that's okay. But the frustration is the fact that he doesn't have the confidence to take that shot. So that's why you have T.J. Warren in there. You have Terrence Ross. You have guys who are willing. You have campaign guys who have the balls to take that shot because you need that. You need the offense. We scored eighty-seven fucking points in the last game. And they they didn't in this one because Monty's game plan is like, listen, we're just it's blitzkrieg. We're just blitzing them tonight. We're gonna blitz them offensively. And if they have to make adjustments defensively, if they need to bring a Kogi in a little bit more to play those minutes against Cameron Payne or I'm sorry Jamal Murray, then that's what they need to do because you have to have a Kogi more out out there more than Landry Shamit. You can't tell me that Landry Shamit did a good job on fucking Jamal Murray. You just can't fucking tell me that. Blind, blind. Ain't blind nobody gonna tell you that. Guys. Ain't nobody. Did you say Aiton? Watch. Oh, all you eight and stands, you're hiding tonight. You ain't got shit to say tonight. You know, again, I always like it. Like I've said before, I'm an eight and realist, man. When he has a great game, I call it out. I appreciate it. When he has a bad game, guess what? I call it out. I appreciate it. Tonight, DeAndre Ayton, 26 minutes played, two of six from the field. He had nine rebounds. He had four points. But again, it's not about the box score when you look at D.A., it's just plain and simple. It's, it's what you see on the court. Dave King, friend of the podcast, managing editor, bright side of the sun. He tweeted this out during the game. Aiton has been awful this game, offensively and defensively. Really awful. Twitter tonight 
was a DeAndre Ayton graveyard. And I'll go into some of the comments that some of the Jamsters put because I, I asked them, how would you describe DeAndre Ayton tonight? But I'll start by asking you, Coach. How would you start by, or, or how would you describe DeAndre Ayton tonight? This dude got benched in the fourth quarter in the biggest game of the year to an undersized veteran on a veteran minimum contract. What else do you need to say? And clearly outplayed, out hustled, out hearted. DeAndre Ayton. I'll allow it. Clearly, when you have Richard Jefferson over there, a U of A alum, by the way, uh, forks up. When you have Richard Jefferson over there, uh, a mouthpiece for ESPN, going on there and saying, yeah, don't bring DA back in. You need to leave Jock. He's been the better one. Something's wrong with this man. And then I forget who said it. Tell me you saw this, John. So, uh, Chris Paul went over to DeAndre Ayton to, to give him a Hell little bit of love, and, give, yeah. give him it a little love tap and, and pound it. And, and he put the fist up and DeAndre Ayton didn't even dap him up. He walked away and sat on the end of the bench. Who the fuck for the anchor of the Phoenix Suns? We know what kind of anchor you really are, D.A. You're the one weighing the ship down. That's what it was tonight. Ooh, that was good. He was an anchor. He was. But not the kind he thinks. Oh, man. I got to put that in my notes. He was an anchor because that's going to go in the, the pod description. Anchor. Because that's what he was. At he the 49-minute mark. <laughs> um, John Humble in the chat. DeAndre Ayton, 32 million. Jock, 2 million. Bruh. Parker Hines, one of our elite champsters, 499 in the super chat. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for supporting the podcast. It allows us to continue to do this. DA was just absolutely unplayable. Okay. My goodness. Here's the thing, Parker, thank you for bringing this up. I forgot to mention this. One thing that every Phoenix Suns podcaster has said, from Flex to Dan Duarte to myself, probably you, I think, at one point. No, you did say it at one point. The thing about DeAndre Ayton is, though, you can't play him off the floor. No matter what, yeah. you can't play him off the floor. It that was the tonight. biggest defense. You could not play that man tonight in the biggest game of the year. It's a fact. It's an absolute fact. Kellen Olsen, as you mentioned, said Aiden went over to the coach's huddle to double check himself. CP3 gave him a tap and then held his hand out, held his hand out for a dap as Aiden walked away, not reciprocated. Aiden sat on the end of the bench during the huddle. He was horrible tonight. He was absolutely horrible. And it's funny because we were talking about putting Shit. things out on Twitter and then having them like proved wrong and you're like happy. It was frustrating to me in that first yeah. quarter, and I and I tweeted it out. I go, why don't the Suns run anything through Aiton? It gets Jokic in foul trouble. When is this adjustment going to occur? And then I was like, oh, yeah, because he's too soft. How could I forget? There's the one play where they get they, they bounce him the ball, and it's going to be the iconic, you know, the, the next clip that he's he's clapping to on Instagram or on, on ESPN's Twitter feed, where they, they bounce him the ball, and he goes up. He doesn't know if he wants to jam it. Or if he wants to lay it up and you just kind of, it's like I said on our Twitter space at halftime, it was like a sixth grader pre prematurely ejaculating. It's what he looked like. He's like, halfway to the, and then the, the ball goes off the rim and the nuggets go right down in a fast break and score to Jokic because he was too busy with it, you know, trying to, he's checking his shorts to see where his skeet stain was and Jokic is laying it in on the other end. 
I'm absolutely terrified when the ball's in his hands. There's the one play where he finally gets a defensive rebound, and then somebody comes from behind, yep. pokes it away. Yep. And then, and then, and there was a three pointer. Yeah. Then Michael, then Michael Porter Jr. nails a three. And then a couple plays later, he gets the rebound and he, he doesn't know what to do. So he throws it to KD and it almost gets picked off again. Yeah. And he's doing this over and over and over again. And it's just, it, it's unacceptable. And, and I got to give a shout out to at Sphere Sons on Twitter. He says, you don't go to war with a coward. And that's a powerful statement, but it's true. That's what DeAndre Ayton is. He just doesn't, he, he, he's, he's playing a different game, man. He's playing a different game. And if you go through, shout out to everybody on Twitter. Again, I tweeted out, how would you describe DA tonight? Best comments will be read on tonight's pod. Somebody said, on the way from Denver to Phoenix, his Tesla battery died. Shout out to at WillV94 for that one. That was uh, awesome. At, at Dynasty The Rock, aggravating. At Ivy Man Fantasy Football. The, the way he sat on the bench was tremendous. Hats off to him to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at T, T Jonesy 757, Sam Bowie, Ben Simmons. Yeah, he's putting himself in, in, in that in that realm with this kind of play. Uh, at all AZ Sports 1, not bad for a bench player. At generic Suns fan, heartless, worst contract in the NBA. At Galev one, not great, but no one is passing to him. Either way, he needs to get 15 plus rebounds. There's a reason why they don't pass him the ball. They been don't have confidence that. in him. Yeah, and, Ma- and Matthew and I have been saying it too. You see it on the court when they try to get him the ball and then he, he gets all fucking nervous and he doesn't know what to do with it. Like everybody else has a fluidity to their offensive game. And in the first half, I was appreciative of DeAndre on the defensive side. He had some good shot to turn. So he was grabbing some Agreed. rebounds. I thought he looked good in the first half. In the second half, he had no idea what was going on. The Nuggets were running back screens, and he didn't know what to do, and he was just standing there. And guys were getting wide open. I'm like, dude, just take a guy. Like, in the first half, him and Kevin Durant were doing a good job, like, switching off of Jokic. I'm like, this is this is good basketball. The second half, they changed it up because when they were trying to do the switch off, a back screen would come, and DeAndre would just be standing there, and he'd be like, oh, shit, there's no one around me. You or know? My, my favorite one was when he was guarding Jokic on the perimeter, just like this. And two or three times, Jokic just goes, up, He's like, hand down, man it. down. I'm going to shoot over your ass. Swish. Yeah, and then Didn't he do a damn kinda, thing about it. And then he just kind of lightly puts his hand up. He doesn't try to put his hand in his face. He's nah. just lackadaisical. Uh, nah. At, at um, Miguel, playing like a recall Tesla battery. At Bobby Goa, not worth wasting energy on something that can't be fixed. Uh at Sklaws99, really, really bad at basketball. That's it. Um, at 1-2 Andrew, bench player, start jock. At Soft Dad 16 if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck, it's a duck, and Aiton is a duck. That's fuck a, a duck, out. right? Yeah, fuck a duck. At Lost Gamer Always, hot garbage. I mean, it just goes on and on. I got a million comments on these, man, and it's true. DeAndre and that's awful that you had to get those comments. That sucks. You had to put that out. You know, I've been on the, I don't like DeAndre Ayton on the Suns train since 2021. And he had, he had a nice playoff run in 2021. Right. But you know what? What have you done with me lately? We got to stop calling playoff Ayton and all that crap. Right. I mean, he's proven all that wrong. What, whatever happened to this dude is amazing. Um, and it probably all started with DA not getting the bag after the finals run and had to wait a whole year. That could potentially be it. But in the long run, you still got it. You should be happy about that. And he doesn't seem to be. And I don't, 
I don't understand it, but I've thought for the longest time he's not happy here because you got guys like Chris Paul and Devin Booker that think a certain way, practice a certain way, get up in your face, they'll say some shit, and everybody in the league says after two years, you're tired of playing with Chris Paul because of all the chirping and whatnot. And him and Devin Booker play the exact same way. They're the same person. They're just as competitive, and he can't take that, and it's not good for him. I can for sure see him uh, going to Orlando because I wouldn't mind trading for Wendell Carter, who's 24 years old and yeah, 6'10". Yeah, they, they wouldn't do it. I, but I, I could that last year, but I could for sure see him going to another franchise like that and getting 25 and 12. I could see it because could, it'll just open up for him. Too. I could see but it too. It's the, not going to happen weight, with Booker dog. The weight of the seriousness and the intensity of his teammates. He cannot match. And he's afraid he needs to go Ooh. to a shit team and, and be the guy who gets 20 and 12 on a shit team all day long because there's no pressure. And he can walk around. He can say a stupid shit wear stupid clothes and just be happy as a pig and shit. But that's Andre not, Drummond, that's right? Not Andre Drummond, a good example. One of those guys who just does a great job of just, you know, I'm big and I can get some points, but when the pressure's on, he's folding this year and everything that I've said, I, and, and you're correct to say it. He, he can't be played off the court. That's one of the advantages of Deandre. Ayton. when the playoffs come, you're going to see what, what Deandre Ayton's contract value is. He got outplayed tonight by Jock Landell and it wasn't even close, man. It wasn't even close. What are the odds that he gets traded? If you were to put a number on it right now, what are the odds that he gets traded this offseason? Because it's, it's a desirable is contract. On the, I've always said he wasn't picked by James Jones. He wasn't uh, uh, picked by Matt, Monty Williams Matt, either. Matt Ishbia ain't going to want Now around. you got Matt Ishbia coming in here and seeing that. I would, I, 85%, I want to say. Yeah, I would give it like three to one odds. I would. That's fair. I, you know, I really probably would. low. And here's the problem, though. He has games like this. It decreases his overall value. We like we need a couple good games in here just so people will be like, yeah, OK, because we should sell him <laughs> off for parts, man. We could. We can go with the new salary cap and the way that it's structured. We're not going to be able to afford Devin Booker, Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton without getting penalized to shit. And don't get me wrong. I don't know if you listen to Matt Ishbia on the Ben Sim or the Bill Simmons podcast. He doesn't great. care about money. He just wants to win, and he's always going to put us in a position to win. Yada, he said all the right things, and I was amped up hearing it. But you're not going to pay that for that. You would rather take that $32 million contract, which kicks in starting next year, trade that, and just get it for parts. Get it for a, a, a center who's $18 million a year, and guess what? Maybe we can get a backup point guard in the dealer. Maybe we can get a couple draft picks back and throw Landry in the deal, and everyone will be happy. And I know that we're not – the season's not over, and we shouldn't be talking about this – but yeah. like that, but that's reality. That's reality. And I know that you're going to love what I'm about to pull up from San Andreas, right? He said, trade for Sabonis would have been perfect. Don't you think, Evan? The number one. Sabon I ain't got nothing to say, bro, the, about the a three-time All-Star. Saboner fan. I got nothing fan. to say. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't think Sabonis. I, I have plenty of ideas, and I don't want to get I don't want to get into who and whatnot. Miles Turner, Wendell Carter. We can get into things, Julius Randle, if we want to later after the season, obviously. But we'll get there. Like me being an Aiton hater, and I have been. I have been a staunch Aiton hater. It definitely has nothing to do with college affiliation or taking a hundred thousand dollars under the table, which showed, by the way, a lot of his character just to begin with, right? Yes. Um, I knew for a fact. And I've said it on this podcast, Aiton was the key to opening up a Suns championship. 
Yeah. He was the key. He was. The and key. so to see him go down, even as an eight and hater still fucking sucks, dude. It still sucks. I still wanted him to succeed. How dope would it have been if he comes out and he got 20, 20 tonight and gets all the love that Kevon Looney has gotten. Right. That would yes. have been awesome. I yes. wouldn't have been like, oh, I don't like Aiton, so I'm not happy. Hell no. I'd have been happy as shit. Yeah, we this want him to be what? successful. This is awful. It's not good. It's not good when the guy who is outplaying him in a series and in a game has this drop. Jesus, this is a nice limo. Yes, it is. Now suck my Jack Landale. Jock in this game, he only had six points, but he had nine rebounds, two on the offensive end, and he also had a steal, and he just looked more engaged. What he brought was an energy on the offensive and defensive glass that is something that we've been missing. It's valuable minutes that he provided. He was talking shit to Bruce Brown. He was outplaying DA at every turn, and what he was doing was creating havoc and and flustering Nikola Jokic at points. Now, again, you look at Jokic's uh, final stat line and stat line. Here we are literally one hour into the podcast. And I bring up the fact that he went for 30, 17 assists and 17 rebounds. Fucking a Nikola Jokic, you know, but at least he flustered him some. At least he made him upset. DeAndre Ayton was, it was, was just too soft for him. He was playing physical. He was playing like Russell Westbrook was with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant still got his, but he flustered him and he just kind of pissed him off. That's what you need. You need somebody to do that. Jock Landell also brings an offensive presence that Bismack Biombo just doesn't. There's going to yep. be times when Bizzy's going to come in and we're going to need him for his defense, and that's what we love about Bizzy. He's a fucking eraser on defense, but he has no offensive skill sets, whereas Jock does. And Jock was hustling, and he played like he gave a shit. It's a standard... If we had took his heart and you put it in DA, the guy would be a fucking all NBA center, but you just can't do that because science. I will take the guy with the motor, the real motor over the, the talented guy any day of the week. Um, do you know the theory behind the, the one armed rebound or the one handed rebound? For people listening in, in the audio podcast world, which is the way that I uh, always consume your podcast is through audio after the fact or the next morning. That's why I'm not in the chat. I'm so sorry. But anyways, the one arm rebound. You, you come in, you're like, fuck eight, and then you leave. Yeah, basically, you know. <laughs> uh, so the one arm rebound, and I hope you can still hear me back here. When you're you boxing can. out a guy and you got your hands up and all that. You know, you can kind of get pushed under. You're, you know, you're getting pushed from behind, and then all of a sudden the ball goes over you, and you're kind of screwed. Even if you're boxing out the one arm rebound, you're putting your you're putting your your forearm into the guy's chest, and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing, and all of a sudden you're leaning back, and then you can kind of go up and gobble the rebound with one arm. You well, saw Jacques Landale do that two or three times tonight in tight space, tight quarters, where DeAndre Ayton couldn't. And when I saw him doing that, I was like, it's done. Don't you dare bring Ayton back in the game. That was absolutely marvelous because, man, he was getting owned by Jokic on the boards yet again and pushing him. And he's trying to box out. You kind of see a half ass. But then, as I said, you're getting pushed down, which means the ball can go over you. Whereas Jacques Landell is putting it right to the chest and he's pushing and he's pushing, and he's pushing and he's not giving up any space and you saw you saw uh Jokic get a little bit uncomfortable there in the fourth quarter 
when Jacques was uh, not getting back down, he wouldn't, he stood his ground. And then there goes Jokic trying to pass and do something else. And, you know, obviously he makes great passes and it ended up to be a score, but he got the ball out of Jokic's hands because he wasn't giving up ground. So watching Jacques Landell play tonight was damn near inspirational, John. It was. It was It was something that we needed as Suns fans to know that there's an alternative to DeAndre Ayton. And it brings me to my next question. Would you start Jock over DA in the next game? Would you I have the balls to do it? I wouldn't start DA just for this. You got to send a message. You got to. So something needs to be said. Monty seems too much of a nice guy. But, you know, this kind of brings me back now. Remember when Aiton didn't get the ba- the bag after the finals run? And apparently him and Monty didn't talk for like two or three months. Do you think Monty would go up and say something? Or do you think Monty's just going being like, shit, how do I get Shamit to play center? <laughs> That's probably what he would do. He's <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to break. I'm going to break the, the <laughs> basketball. Shamit at the five. It's happening, folks. <laughs> DA did not talk to the media after the game in this one, by the way. Uh, I don't know how much you take into that, but Jen, not, I take it that not that's surprised. some Dylan. That's some Dylan Brooks bullshit. No, right the there. difference is Dylan Brooks talked a lot of shit. Da doesn't talk a lot of shit. He just is shit. That's the difference. Like, <laughs> I mean that that's kind of that's kind of the difference there. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. I was hanging out on the subreddit of the Denver Nuggets, and I will say this: it is. Kind of fun tonight watching the live chat popping off, going crazy. All you jamsters over there, I see you. And I don't see any of those Nuggets fans who've been in our, our live chat. The Pinster brothers, they they haven't said one word tonight. Man, all they did was talk shit in the first two games. What are they, Dylan Brooks and us? They're avoiding the media. So here are some of the things that the Denver Nuggets fans were saying on our uh, Denver Nuggets, which is the Reddit thread for the Denver Nuggets. They said, the first quarter will likely be the Suns' best punch of the series. Just got to settle in and keep it close. Hell, the Suns were down after one in this one. That's what concerned the shit out of me. A four-point lead gets Suns fans that excited? How about fuck off? How about that? Suns are pressing the ball and playing up-tempo right now. They'll gas themselves out by the fourth. Suck my Johnson. Booker taking CP3's place as the most annoying player. Man, they were riding Booker in this one. They were very unhappy with uh, you know, him being frustrated for not getting some calls. And I don't blame Devin Booker for being frustrated. He was getting hacked again. They weren't getting called again. Yep. Uh, Jokic, I love how unselfish you are, but good God, be a little selfish. It's flipping Jock Landell on you, one, one Nugget fan said. If Booker goes nuclear and everyone else is limited, I like our chances. Late fucking whistle on Durant there. It's like these refs really don't want to call anything on Phoenix at all. A lot of, you know, shit talking again in that first half when the Phoenix Suns outshot the the Denver Nuggets at the line. Uh, 15, or I'm, I'm sorry, how, how many free throws did they have in the first half? They had five. We had 12. Uh, welcome to game two, you bastards. Uh, yep, we are fucked. Booker is in fucking God mode. 25 points already. And then they said, Jokic isn't even looking to score. What the fuck is he doing, LOL? Somebody responded, Joker passive tonight. Get get in there, man. And he, and he did. Chris Paul, way more effective on the, uh, for the Suns jabbering on the bench. I feel for Phoenix with Aiton. Motherfucker plays with zero heart. Ouch. I'm more scared of Landell than Aiton. Landell greater than Aiton. 
Wow. Oh, oh, great. Landell is in, which means Jokic will refuse to score again. Damn it. I hate that Landell is decent. Uh, so, I mean, again, wow. they, were, they were going off on it. I'll tell you this. You know, I see a lot of subreddits, okay? We go live every night after every game all season. And Matthew and I take turns doing the subreddit stakeout. Every team calls eight and soft, man. Even on good games, they call them soft. Uh, why the fuck would anyone care about what pa- campaign is saying all night? He was mic'd up in this one. <laughs> They're like, this shit what campaign says. Uh, needing your stars to go for 80 plus for a single digit win isn't a winning play. We can fucking do this if our team plays like a normal basketball team. And that takes us back to what we were talking about at the front end. Yep. You know, essentially, is this going to be sustainable for the Phoenix Suns moving forward? The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. All right, let's talk Jam Star, and then we'll talk about adjustments for Game Four. Let's just go to the Jam Star. Jam Star of the game, everybody. Do 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 do. All right, Jam Star of the game. All right, Jam Star of the game. It's got to be Devin Booker, right, Evan? Booker, he's holding the Booker jersey. I mean, that's that that's what it'd be. I mean unbelievable with Devin Booker tonight. We will we'll start or we'll end where we started with what he did with some of the statistics that we read. You know, I, I want this postseason to continue, Evan. I really do. We all do. Fuck. It would be great to win a championship, but if we don't, what we're seeing from Devin Booker is the greatest run in postseason history from a Phoenix Suns. Uh, and you got, you have to admire it. You have to cherish it and you have to call for what it is and you have to enjoy it. Because it's special. And again, what he did tonight with 47 points, putting this team on his dick and rising to the occasion. Way to go, D-Book. Listen, this Suns team was put together with an owner that was on his way out that didn't want to sign a bunch of dudes. We were hamstrung with the KD rumors. Uh, it felt like they knew that it was going to come down and even flex tweeted it out. It was going to come down all the way to the all-star break and then into the trade deadline. That's what was going to happen. And so we went out and we signed a bunch of one and $2 million veteran minimum players that are turning out, you know, to be pretty good, but we weren't able to go out and get a solidified role player. I feel like it's going to be very hard for us to win this year. Not impossible, but I feel like it's going to be very difficult, but you realize Everybody in the NBA is watching Devin Booker right now, having the best playoffs. You saw Dame in the front, right? In the front row. You know these players want to play with Devin Booker. And going into an offseason with a little bit of cap flexibility, you can trade some guys, whether it's Aiton, Shamit, whatever. You can have some salary cap. Having an owner. Not guaranteed. Having contracts, stretch it. Having an owner that doesn't give a fuck about paying money. This is going to be one of the more exciting, but in my opinion, the most important offseason of all time for the Phoenix Suns. Because every year no, this one's it. This one's it. When you have because Devin Booker is in his prime big time prime big time and everybody is seeing it. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I don't even know what the question was or if I answered it, but there you go. It was Devin Armani Booker. All right. Beautiful game, son of a Game bitch. four, 5 p.m. Arizona time, Sunday. What adjustments need to be made? How do we come out of this, headed back to Denver, tied 2-2, and feeling better about ourselves 
not only Suns fans, but just as human beings overall. Rebound and shoot more field goal attempts than they do. They had 97 tonight. We had 95. They out-rebounded us by 10, and we still pulled out a win. Rebounds and get more field goal attempts than them. That's my personal opinion. Okay. That's it. And if you have more jock and busy minutes than Aiton and we can win the battle of the boards, I think that's going to play a huge, huge factor into it for the entire series. So you're going with the math. I'm going like with it. the math, the analy- like analytics, and, well, you and, do it. and my gut and who this Denver Nuggets offense is. If this Nuggets offense gets 10 to 15 more shots than we do, come on, man. Game over. Well, yeah. It's a fact. <laughs> They're just, yeah. I mean, that's that's what game one was. Exactly. I mean, they had like 15 more shots than us. I'll, I'll say this, all right, from, from an adjustment standpoint. To those of you who are listening or watching, and you're attending game number four, cheer that team on. You hear Landry Shamitz checking into the game, cheer him on. DeAndre Ayton's out there, cheer him on. Those guys need the confidence. They don't need their hometown fans booing. Like, again, Landry Shamit was booed when he came in a little bit late, and it was justified. But you guys, we can't do that to our own team. We can do it right here. We can do it when we're watching our TVs. We can scare the shit out of our cat when we start yelling at the team. Fucking Landry. The cat's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? So Twitter's for. Exactly. But don't do it if you're in the in the in the in the stands. You know, as crazy Luigi says, be loud and proud. As Lazer's show says, be loud. We, we have to be there. We have to support these guys because that's what's going to develop the confidence for this team. Josh Kogi should play more minutes than Landry Shamit. Devin Booker, if he gets 47 again, it's amazing. It's not sustainable. Kevin Durant, 39, it's not sustainable. We want it. We need it. But if we can have, again, solid bench play, solid minutes coming off the bench, and that's what we got. You know, tonight we outscored their bench. They had a total of 19 points. We had a total of 13. No depth Phoenix Suns? 30, 23. 23 to 19. We we outscored them. You got to do that again, in my opinion. There's my math. You got to win the moments and the minutes in which Jokic is off the court, which we did tonight. And that that's huge. We have to continue doing that. That's how we win this game. So uh, again, we'll see you guys live directly following the game as per usual here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'd like to thank Coach Evan B for joining me and going down this this interesting route of being happy but also being critical during a win because that's what we are. We're Suns fans. Coach, once again, remind everybody where they can follow you. This time I won't drink a beer and just amaze you with my drinking ability so you can finish your sentence this time. You are more than welcome to drink another beer, John. But uh, at Coach Evan B on Twitter, at He's on Fire Pod, check out the He's on Fire podcast, which is streaming right now over on YouTube. So if you want more Suns content, go on over there right now. I'm going to hop on as well. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll shit on eight and some more. Maybe we'll just talk about <laughs> Devin Booker. I think I'd, I'd rather just talk about Devin Booker. Stay positive, my friends. Remember, you can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew, who popped in briefly with a ceiling fan behind him, at Matthew Lissy. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can read my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. I'm sure I'll have something interesting to write for tomorrow. And again, we'll see you on Sunday night. And remember to go home and love your family. drive fast and take chances. Okay. I'll allow it. (laughs) 